Hi, this is Julie. Hi, this is Monica. This is Leanne. This is Liz. Hi, this is Sheila. News, talk, and laughs. We tackle the world. We tackle the world. One cup of coffee at a time. One cup of coffee at a time. This is the Satellite Sisters. Hey, tell me something. I hadn't heard that open. That is very nice. We got a million of them now here at Satellite Sisters. More surprises all the time, Liz. We are just enjoying doing these podcasts for you. It is Friday, March 14th. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Los Angeles with my sister Sheila. How are you doing over there? I'm doing great today. <laughs> <laughs> Looking good. Julie, Dallas, what's going on there? It's all good, Liz. I'm just happy with the openings because it's the same five sisters every single time. We're not switching sisters. There's no sixth sister. Or you know what I mean? You know, yeah. like on TV shows, they're always changing out the cast. Right. We keep the same cast. There are no surprise resignations <laughs> after things become exactly. public. Well, we have such a full show. You can imagine with the kind of news week it has been that it was hard to get everything into one show It really today. was, Liz. We're going to do the best we can, though, you know, because that's our, our promise is news talk and laughs. So we couldn't just do news. We're going to bring you some talk and some laughs. Uh, on the news front, Julie, the International News Roundup is coming up. That's right. We're going to be talking about the Chinas, the big one, the little one, and Hong Kong, which I really don't consider part of China. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, I'll explain all of that in the INRU. <laughs> all right. And then in the laughs, news entertainment, entertaining Sheila's with us. What are you reviewing? I am bringing you the new uh, movie called Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day, with Frances McDormand, Amy Adams. Of course, it's a law. She has to be in every movie now. Oh, I like her, Sheila. Yeah, well, I will bring you my full review of that. That oh. looks so good. And that, to me, had Sheila Dolan written all over Did it. Did it, Liz? Well, just I know you like Frances McDormand, I right? I do. I love her as an actress. I'm just not sure if I love her in this. Uh-oh. Oh, all right. Well, you're going to hang on for that. Of course, this week, a week full of drama, a week full of breaking developments, a week full of pundits with their hair on fire. Mm-hmm. But for me, Liz Dolan, what was most entertaining, it, it was a week that featured a repeated use of what I think is one of the funniest words in the English language, and that word is gubernatorial. <laughs> I just enjoy, enjoy any scandal that involves a gubernator. <laughs> and we we certainly had one on our hands this week, the Elliot Spitzer scandal. Oh, my goodness. It's been... What, what did you... I mean, you are both Liz and Sheila. You're both former New Yorkers. What did you think of all the happenings? I, uh, well, first of all, I was stunned and shocked like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a huge Elliot Spitzer believer when he was attorney general in New York. And, Julie, I was... I, I, I am riveted by it. I cannot bring myself to stop reading every detail about this case. Let's just set up a few of the facts, because there's so much to talk about here. Right. But one of the things that's really interesting to me is how this all became public. You know, I think that was one of the shock elements, that this began as an investigation of an unusual transaction that tripped computers that, that where the software is designed to watch for this kind of thing. Did you know that was true? I didn't know very much about well, uh, well, that. Well, I think since 9-11, you know that you just can't make big um, cash transfers, that this is exactly what the terrorists were doing, and that's what they're, they're looking for. But that really is never my problem, making large cash <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, that's not me either. They're never going to snag me on that one. <laughs> so you're clear. So, uh, so anyway, banks reported these cash 
cash transfers to the IRS, which who knew that that was the law, but it's the law. The IRS sort of ignored it for a little while, according to a story in Thursday's New York Times. It kind of sat around for a little while, and then all of a sudden came back on their radar screen. The next thing you know, last Friday, news started to leak out that there was an investigation involving the governor. Um, but he was known as client number nine. I know. It's I know. So well, tawdry. It's so ta- it's so tawdry that even our mother I was talking to her about this this week. Oh, and I can't watch it. How could she even <laughs> talk about it? How did she, could she even say anything? Well, she said if Governor Spitzer was client number nine, aren't you kind of curious? who clients one through eight are. (laughs) And I thought, okay, mom, digging in to a sex scandal. Yeah. So, uh, so this all started to become public, I guess, in very narrow uh, journalistic circles over the weekend. Then Monday, it broke completely uh, all over us on the news, uh, starting with the story in the New York Times. And what is so shocking here is that this guy was Elliot Spitzer, the ultimate crusading prosecutor, Mm -hmm. the the one who was always standing up and he knew the way, like he was the one who busted all those bad guys on Wall Street. So it's always particularly shocking. He busted other prostitution rings, Liz. You know, he went after after, um, groups in New York that were leading these sex tours in Southeast Asia. I mean, he was a real crusader for this. Do you think, is there something about just the nature of anyone who is a crusader, anyone who stands up and shakes his fist at us all the time and says, I know the difference between right and wrong, and I'm going to crack the whip over you. Are you always a little suspicious of those people now? Because this does sort of reinforce the like, hey, wait a minute (laughs) aspect. Well, yeah, I think it can send up red flags, Liz, if you're over the top in that way. I mean, and he was, I mean... When he became governor, people started becoming really annoyed by his pompous and, you know, his arrogance. And, you know, I mean, I have a whole psychological diagnosis, (laughs) which we'll get to, you know. All right. Well, let me. Okay, I would like you to break this down for us psychologically, Dr. Sheila, because my fundamental question about Elliot Spitzer was is how could a guy this smart do something so dumb? Can I just point out to you that he as the attorney general in New York, created many of the laws that created the web that he got caught up in. Right. Or why? I mean, Liz, why did he make the, his own phone calls to arrange all these, you know, uh, appointments? Well, uh, this is Sheila. I believe it's what's called pathological narcissism. I mean, okay. no, 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 because people like that believe they are literally, you know, above the law, outside the law. They are um, absolutely power hungry. Uh, They believe they stand alone. I mean, even his apology speeches with quotes from the Bible, like coming down from on high, you know, that attitude is is really is narcissism. That's what he was trying to defend his accomplishments when he was resigning as governor. I say no. Yes. Sheila, do you think is do you think as you know, there's been a lot of pundits out there that have said, well, this, you know, this isn't really even a crime. I mean, it's the oldest profession in the world. Everybody does it. Do you think that's what he was? That's what he was thinking. I no, I I don't think that I don't think he was thinking. I mean, I think he's probably well. You throw in a little bit of an some kind of addict in there. I mean, he could be a sex addict. I mean, you know, obviously a guy who engages in this at the level that he was, the amount of money. 
and the, you know, the absolute obsession. He seemed to be obsessed with it. Can you I know, just all of the planning. like a lot of money? Yes. Well, right. Yeah, I mean, we know so far about $80,000, right, Julie? Right, right. Yeah. Or that, that each session would cost thousands of dollars? Right. I don't know. Yeah, one of the really alarming things to me is that when you that there are text messages and wiretapped phone calls where the prostitute herself is t- saying to her handlers that I know you've said he's difficult, he wasn't difficult with me, that he wanted other prostitutes apparently to do things that they considered unsafe. And to me that's a red flag that he was asking for something way beyond what I mean, if the prostitutes are saying we can't do this and this is difficult, that maybe there's sort of a, I don't know, obviously something kinky that he needed, that that's why he, uh, you're not going to do that within your marriage. It seems like he's right. completely walled off this whole part of him that has an, an out of control aspect. Yeah, to well, him. he has a total, it's like an alter ego almost, you know, it's like, it's, it's like a totally separate person and you know he was totally in control of everything and i don't think ever thought he was gonna i I don't know if he had entered in his mind that he would ever get caught for this but julie back to your question it makes me incredibly mad every time i hear someone refer to prostitution as a victimless crime okay okay i'm just we know that is just not true that is not true liz i mean you know there was an excellent editorial in the new york times by melissa farley that she, you know, where she writes, no matter what the situation, the prostitute is always exploited. I mean, they've done research on prostitutes. They're sexually abused. Many of them are from four, you know, victims of poverty, of racism. They're from broken homes. They abuse drugs. They may have mental issues. So the idea that this is some victimless crime and just everybody does it. Hey, I just have to, I have to start something new at Satellite Sisters, which is the Satellite Sister Doghouse. Oh, you're going to put people in a doghouse? I am going to put... The, Starting with the gubernor? Uh, not, well, the gubernor goes right in there. He goes, he's the head of the pack, goes in there. But I also would like to nominate Alan Dershowitz. You know him. He's the Harvard Law professor. He's been on many news outlets this week where he's saying that this is a victimless crime. And in particular, that the Johns, that the men should not be prosecuted because it's so meaningless. Oh, Julie. Okay. Okay. He goes in the doghouse. He's in the doghouse. Okay. Oh, oh, he's in the doghouse. I can hear him now. I want to nominate for the doghouse is James Carville. You know him, political advisor, political pundit to the Kennedy, uh, to the Clintons. And he got on and he's like, it's just sex. What is everybody all worked up about? No, it's not. I mean, this guy has, you know, he has misused probably, or he has definitely, he has, hurt the people of New York. He has hurt his wife. He has hurt his family. I mean, it is not just sex. This is not, this is a criminal activity. All right, James Carville in the doghouse. Okay. Third person I'm going to put in because, of course, he has a point of view, Bill Maher. I, oh, look at him. Oh, Come on, I like Bill Maher. He I is what like he Bill is. Maher. I'm on record with that. But first of all, because Bill Maher does not believe in marriage. So he and he, you know, he says that of course no one in a, you know, in married life is having sex at all. So of course zillions of people are just like Elliot Spitzer out with prostitutes. Okay, Bill Maher, you're going in the doghouse. <laughs>
You know, the other night, uh, Linda Fairstein was on with Larry King, and, and Dr. Drew Pinsky was also on that panel. And you know I have my problems with Larry, but the reason I still watch is because he gets really good people on the show. Mm-hmm. Linda Fairstein, she's been a guest here on Satellite Sisters. She writes crime novels now, but she was the person who started the first sex crimes unit in the entire United States. That was in New York City. And she's just always really good talking about these issues. And she made the point, you know, that prostitution is all about human trafficking and young girls being exploited. Absolutely. Almost all of them have been the victims of some kind of sexual trauma, sexual exploitation when they were younger. Uh, She was really shocked to see that the woman in this case was only 22 years old and made the point that these girls get into this work when they're very young. And then they flashed a stat up on the screen that, that said the average age for a girl getting into prostitution in the United States is 14. I know. I mean, so that's think about I that. So when 14 have, years old. When you have someone like Alan Dershowitz or James Carville, you know, saying that this is just sex, that this is a victimless crime, not so. Oh, I want to put them in the doghouse again. Put them in the doghouse. <laughs> Let's put them in again and throw them a bone. That's right. All right. Well, we're going to move on because... The second part of this whole discussion uh, at Satellite Sisters, of course, has to deal with Mrs. Spitzer. Oh, my goodness. I know the First Lady's Desk, Julie, you were on this. You posted immediately. Immediately during the first press conference, and we've gotten a lot of response. We want to talk about Silda Wolf Spitzer. Yes. We want to talk about Mrs. Spitzer. I know we just have to talk about Dr. Laura and her attempt to blame Mrs. Spitzer. Then you have Dina McGreevy is back in the public again. So all of that, when we come back, just Spitzer Part 2, the gubernator rolls on. <laughs> We're the Satellite Sisters. Uh, go to the blog and you can read everything that has been posted there about this whole issue. And please, comment. All right, here we are with the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to our podcast. We are having so much fun doing these, aren't we, sisters? Oh, this yes. is fantastic. Yes. I like it a lot. This I know. is Sheila. Yeah. <laughs> so let's remind you what our schedule is. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we've got fresh, hot shows for you. We try to always post a notice on the blog when they're posted, but, you know, you'll be able to get them immediately if you just subscribe. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. You know what, Liz? Last night I explained... To my mother-in-law, uh-huh. I think very well how to listen to the show on her computer. Again, oh. Hadn't really dawned on her that she could listen without an iPod. Oh. And so I was like, let's review. You just go to SatelliteSisters.com or you download it to iTunes. You click on it. You can listen. Use your computer like a radio. Just minimize it. And then go I like that, and- Leanne. Use your computer like a radio. It's my new slogan. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. <laughs> anyway, so that's every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday we have fresh podcasts, and we're always looking to post extra special audios. You can also find some uh, audio versions of our book, Satellite Sisters Uncommon Senses, some of the essays that uh, our favorite essays from that book we recorded, and those are posted on the website. I'm getting quite a lot of mail from Carry Your Own Skis. I know. That was always the favorite yes. of everything that we put out there. Mm-hmm. It was really what you put out there, Leanne. It's in a textbook, Liz. 
It is? Yes, that essay is in a text, a writing textbook. Wow. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. Congratulations. I think oh. every year the I get professor. I get like a dollar twenty-five. They send me a dollar twenty-five. But no, I got some nice letters this week because that essay is posted at satellitesisters.com. People that really responded to that. So that's there. We have some special interviews uh, posted with authors. There's Bookspot. There's all sorts of things. So remember to go to satellitesisters.com. Obviously, you figured out how to use the podcast, but really tell your satellite sisters. Yes, give them the mother-in-law lesson that Leanne just explained. Use your computer as a radio. Doesn't that sound simple, Sheila? I just learned how to do it at the Apple Store the other day, so I'm on board. (laughs) I'm still working on learning to use my computer as a computer, actually, (laughs) at the Apple Store. All right, we're the Satellite Sisters. Stay with us. More of the show. Say what you need to say. 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 Say her husband, former, well, soon to be former governor, Elliot Spitzer. What were you thinking? I was just thinking, why did he drag his wife up there? Okay, because it doesn't change our opinion of him one bit. Why did he? Why did he make her go through this public humiliation? He was the one that did something wrong, not her. And he should take the blame and the responsibility for it. And he shouldn't make her stand up there. It doesn't make us feel any better, you know that. You know, that she's standing by him because he's still a low down, dirty dog, as far as I'm concerned. Uh oh, doghouse. There's that theme again. <laughs> <laughs> but when I saw that when they had the first press, to, uh, press um, conference, not really a conference, but they made the first statement to the press at the beginning of the week, I blogged about it immediately at Sister Spot, and people responded immediately at Sister Spot because they knew that my mantra has been at the first lady's desk is to leave the ladies alone. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the this is the act of the individ, of the of governor Spitzer. It wasn't his wife that that engaged in illegal activity. It wasn't his wife that was transferring funds and shuttling prostitutes between New York and Washington. He did that. And well, but, but you know, I think it's Julie, you know, she gave up a successful law career to stand by his side. Yes. You know, to be his wife, to be a part of the whole package. Right. And I, I mean, I think I think two things are wrong here. He didn't really take full responsibility in his uh, apology speech. You know, right. to right. call it a private failing is just not accurate. No. It's a public failing. But, you know, but I think it's her choice. I think these women do it for their kids. I think they think if there's some symbolic gesture there that she's going to stand up and try to protect her kids and all of this. But it's still upsetting. And, Julie, you were the first one in the country, I think, that blogged about it. Because the next day, women all over the country we're came talking out about and we're this. talking about it. Now, well, you have been speaking out against this for years. <laughs> right. It's not even like you were the first one on it this week. You've been on this for years. I mean, we talked about Dina McGreevy when that happened. We We discussed that on Satellite Sisters. Though I heard her out, she's obviously been in the media a lot uh, this week. She stood next to her husband, former Governor Jim McGreevy of uh, New Jersey, when he gave his I am a gay American speech. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, to hear her talk about it this week, she said she was still so numb when that was happening. 
that her the instincts that she was really following was number one to kind of try to keep their family together right, to protect right. her daughter who was a really little girl at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, those poor Spitzer girls. I mean, they're, they're vulnerable teenagers. teenage girls. Oh. I can't think of anything more humiliating. How horrible for them! I hope they have close friends at school that just love them and hold them close because this is awful. Yeah, I think Dina McGreevy wrote in the New York Times, you know, that she did do it for the children. And I'm not faulting Silda Spitzer, Mrs. Spitzer. I mean, whatever she wanted to do is fine. But I think I think there is now universal agreement that somehow by making, you know, by Spitzer should have said to her, look. You just stay back. Do right. Not, do, you, you don't come up on stage. Don't be in the public. Don't have your picture taken. I will take responsibility for that. He did nothing to protect his wife. Uh-huh. He did nothing to protect his children. Yeah. So that... Yeah, and you know they say, well, if she stands up there with him, then that then she's done what she needs to do. She can check the box. She doesn't have to answer any more questions. She won't be pursued. I don't buy that for one second. I don't buy that. Of course, people are still pursuing her. You think the cameras are not following her around today and next week? There are going to be the problem with this case is that they have all these wiretaps and they have text messages and there's going to be... And it's about sex, Liz, so of course people want to hear this. Now, the other person that has to go in the Satellite Sister doghouse this week is Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Did you hear her this week? She got on a number of, you know, NBC News and said that she felt it was the wife's fault. Okay, so Dr. Laura in the doghouse. In the doghouse. Let's have some barking for Dr. Laura. (laughs) She said it was the wife's fault. Yes, she did, Sheila. She said women don't don't spend a lot of time thinking how they can give their men what they need, and that she holds women responsible. You know that here was a here was a perfectly good man that was being tossed out because the wife oh, didn't do what Julie. she was supposed to be. Doing. Yeah, it is. It is just it's it's terrible. That just horrifies me. I, it, it is, I mean, how could a woman say that about another woman? How could a, in this particular position? I don't understand. I think Dr. Laura must be doing it just for ratings. Yeah, because it makes no sense. Right. At all. Right. It is beyond reason. Yeah, the fact that it would somehow be your fault that you're not not giving him enough. I mean, look at well, you don't never know what goes on inside a marriage, so we won't speculate about that. But it is just crazy to think that someone who's out engaging in illegal, risky activity with prostitutes that that would somehow be uh, his wife's fault. That is just a crazy point of view to take. It is. It is. And cruel. Don't it, you? Is. it just a... seems so cruel to go public with that kind of a, that kind of an attitude. I don't understand that at all. I don't know what, you know, if I was thinking, like, if I was Mrs. Spitzer this week, what would I do, you know, and where would I go? I mean, she is just in such a media glare. Do you think you would want to take your family and just move to another state and change your name and start over. I, I just, it's so much to endure for this family to go through such a personal crisis and to have it being played out in such a public way. I, I think they're probably all, I mean, I don't think uh, Spitzer's still in shock, but I'm sure the wife is, you know, there has to be some kind of denial protecting her right now because just the, you know, the reality of the situation is so horrendous. 
I think that he's probably still in shock, too. There seems to be a lot of denial going on there. You know, the, I think his two farewell press conferences both showed a guy who's like, OK, I did something bad. I'm moving on. It didn't really seem to be the, the talk, particularly the second one, of a guy who was deeply feeling the kind of remorse. At least when Jimmy Swagger uh, committed adultery, he was crying and he was saying his sorry. You know, he was sorry. I don't buy that either. I, I would yeah. not have bought at all a performance of Elliot Spitzer <laughs> sobbing and asking for our mercy. But it was too polished. It was too calculated. It, to me, it was too. It was just. It was so arrogant in in a sense. And so to, it didn't really satisfy you as former New Yorkers, former voters of of Elliot Spitzer, and also certainly. I'm sure that family is just, I hope they get the help that they need, um, particularly the, the daughters. Right. Oh, Julie. Yeah, it's a tough life, too. You're living in the media capital of the United States, and you're just, you're moving around. You can't help but be a public person. You're just going to get hounded. All the more reason why he, you know. Right, why it's just crazy. It's crazy what he that did. He did what, why would you possibly think you would be able to pull that off, that people would not know that you were the governor of New York? Just unbelievable. Okay, but there is more news in the world. Oh, yes, there is. And Julie is about to bring it to us on the International News Roundup, where the Satellite Sisters stay with us. You're listening to the Satellite Sisters podcast. Thank you so much. Leanne, Sheila, and Liz here. You know, at SatelliteSisters.com, we try to post all kinds of exciting things, pictures. We've got the blog going, audio. And we also are posting what's coming up with the Satellite Sisters. And we are doing a speaking engagement in Bend, Oregon, in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. The three of us are going to be there with Monica. It's a fundraiser. And if you're in the Bend area or the Portland area and you want to make the drive. Or Northern California. (laughs) And you really want to make the drive. (laughs) That's that's really a dedicated listener. you never know, Leah. Okay, Liz. Uh, you can go to SatelliteSisters.com. The date is Friday, April 4th, right? That's the date? Yes. Yes, it is. Friday, April 4th. Okay, good. I guess God, we all have the same date. <laughs> but information about uh, the Satellite Sisters speaking in Bend is posted at our website, SatelliteSisters.com. But Liz, we do do a lot of speaking engagements, and often we get inquiries at the website about, hey, could you come speak at my group? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah, we would love for you to think of us for things like that. If your company needs speakers, if your organization has a big convention or luncheons, got we're pretty good at this. Yes. You know, wouldn't you say? And we enjoy doing it. We love doing it. You were just recently at a big corporation. I was speaking at a big national charity organization. So do email us at SatelliteSisters.com. Hit the Contact Us button. Just let us know what your organization is, your company, what dates you're thinking, and we'll respond with our availability, with our fee schedule, with all that kind of stuff. We would love to meet you and come speak at your organization. In fact, just yesterday, I was at a track meet, and someone said, they didn't want me. They said, hey, can your sister Liz come? <laughs> oh, and, oh, So what did hurts. you say? Company? I was did like... Yes, I'm sure. Go to the website. Did you just direct them to the website? (laughs) Well, it's for a big eyewear company. Oh. And so I said, well, just take the fee in eyewear. (laughs) Thank you for negotiating that payment in kind. Liz is the only one who doesn't wear glasses. I know. (laughs) 
Sunglasses. Sunglass company. All right. Again, go to SatelliteSisters.com if you're interested in coming to see us speak in Bend on Friday, April 4th. We'd love to see you there. It is a fundraiser. That information, SatelliteSisters.com. But if there's something you need us for, email us at Sisters at SatelliteSisters.com. Back to the show. I love that music because it means it's time, a very special time in the show when Julie brings us the International News Roundup. Julie, what have you got for us this week? Well, sisters, we're going directly to the Far East, and we're starting first in China, the big one, where, you know, for the last two days, they have been having protests by Tibetan monks. And these are the largest protests that they've had in China um, in the last two decades. So over the last two days, 600 or so monks have been protesting and battling with over 2,000 security forces in some of these in, in Chinese provinces outside of Beijing. Now, you may know that this, this time of year marks the 49th anniversary of the uprising against the communist rule, the Tibet, in Tibet. You know about the I didn't free, know that. Yes, it is. It's the Free Tibet Movement, Sheila, Richard Gere, yes, Dalai Lama. I am familiar with that. So this, the, the monks have now organized, and, you know, this is China. They're, they don't have a lot of public demonstrations, and so there have been a lot of, so that this is really significant that in these outlying provinces where there are a lot of Tibet, uh, Tibetans, that they are, the monks are rising up, and they are protesting against communist rule. And this- I am always amazed in that environment that people are brave enough to do that. I know. Because it's they can such just... a repressive government. They can put you in jail and throw away the key. And, that, and that's why it takes such great courage. And, you know, this is what one of the things that Chinese officials are very worried about because, of course, the Summer Olympics is going to be in um, Beijing mm-hmm. this summer. They're worried, very much worried about some of these protests erupting in these in these provinces and that the chinese might not be able to control it i mean in the same week first of all we have the tibetan monks that are protesting but earlier this week air marshals foiled an attempt to crash a china southern airlines plane and that with those were muslim militants again in another province in china this um and they are you know they have organized a militant muslim group and they were attempting to to crash an airplane. You know, Julie, honestly, I saw those headlines. This is Liz, but I didn't really read the details. That's what it was. Wow. Yes, That's why we Muslim. have Julie. I know. <laughs> I, I knew I'd be talking to you. I'd get the highlights and the lowlights of the, the it, week's it international the news. It was Turkestan Muslim Liberation Movement. And in both cases, you have the Tibetans and you have the Muslims. They are living in these provinces in some of the buffer states. Um, around the central China, and they have never really been integrated into the Chinese culture. They've always been oppressed, and now the Chinese are seeing that, that because of that, now they're seeing some of these uprisings. So this is something to watch as we move closer to the Olympics, whether or not China is going to be able to control some of the security in these outlying provinces. Wow, that is fascinating and scary. Okay, on to Taiwan, you know, which is kind of the other China. All right. right. They're having a presidential race right now. And I think we might want to take some cues from the Taiwan presidential candidate, Frank Cassay. In what way? Well, you know that Taiwan, it is a major manufacturer of souvenirs. It's kind of like the souvenir capital of the world. <laughs> this is where all of that is made. 
And so what Frank Hesse, presidential candidate, wanted to do is he wanted to infuse some fun into his candidacy. So he has come up with 40 different souvenirs that have a likeness of him. So you can get erasers, coasters, dolls, doormats. So, Sheila, can you imagine uh, an Obama doll or perhaps a John McCain eraser? How about Clinton coasters? Julie, I like this. Little trinkets, yeah. I think trinkets could be good. He's selling these between $1 and $40 at, at local stores. They're flying off the shelves like, you know, they're really selling like hotcakes. And it seems like a good way to raise money for yeah. campaigns as well. I mean, better than a lapel button and some of that stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, How about a nice trinket? Think about it. Okay. I'm not sure the doormat is a good idea. <laughs> if you're a candidate, I don't think you want to be a doormat. But that's just, you know, that's just me. Paperweight? All right. Wait, <laughs> Sheila, you see, that's what he wants. That's exactly what Frank wants to do. He wants to explore and celebrate the creativity of the Taiwanese people. Okay. On to yet another part of China that is Hong Kong. Okay, now Hong Kong obviously belongs to mainland China now, but in my mind it still belongs to the British. But actually a very... very <laughs> you just get to decide that in your mind? You're going to dwell in the, you know, in, in the, the 20th Korean century Korean, instead yeah. of the 21st? That's about, that's about right, Liz. Okay. Well, actually a very serious situation is going on there. You know, they've had a flu outbreak in Hong Kong. It's a densely populated area. So now, Sheila, imagine this. They have half a million kids are going to stay home from school for two weeks oh, because they don't, want the, they don't want the flu to, to spread. They're worried that this might be another case of bird flu. They ha- it has oh. not been proven to be bird flu yet. Half but, a million kids? So half a million kids are staying home from, uh, from school for two weeks because they really just want to shut this epidemic down. They don't want it to spread, and they're making children and adults wear those face masks. Well, as a former teacher, it might be a nice break, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does seem like a, the kind of thing an epidemiologist would tell you to do if you're trying to stop an outbreak in its tracks. But it is a, on a massive scale, Liz, to, yeah. have to call that kind of school closing and just think for the parents, that's two weeks that you hadn't planned on. That's a lot of vacation time. <laughs> yeah, Leon yeah. would be going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> on to Belgium, where in a related matter... You know, one of the things that they're very worried about in Europe is really eradicating polio. And so Belgium has instigated what I think are the strictest health rules almost in the world, that now if you do not vaccinate your children for polio, you go to prison. You go to prison for five months. They have now sentenced two sets of parents to prison, prison terms of five months because they failed to or refused to um, vaccinate their children. Wait a minute. This is this is Liz. This is a dumb question. I thought polio no, was already wiped yeah, out. I no, agree it's not completely you, wiped out because a lot of people are not getting um, these childhood vaccinations, and really? so they're worried about the spread of this. And this is you know, and this is what the country is doing. So wow. that is pretty. You know, now it's uh, it, on an ironic note. They are not going to put the parents in prison until the kids get the vaccination. They get to stay out of prison until they do that, but then they're going. Obviously, many people feel that this sentencing is way too harsh for the crime. Well, it makes a point. I'm not sure whether it's too harsh. Well, it does seem. What's going to happen to the kids when the parents are in prison? Anyway, all right. All right, on to France, where you have got to give it to the French. I mean, they are world class in the love department. Now, just a couple of weeks ago on the International News Roundup, we were talking about French President Nicolas Sarkozy and his very 
sudden wedding to Carla Bruni. Right, because he's in love. That's what they do. They're French. They fall in love. Well, great news coming out this week that uh, French President Nicolas Sarkozy's ex-wife. You remember her, Cecilia? Yeah. Sure. She was on the scene there. Well, guess who else is getting married um, this month? You're kidding. She's also already getting married? She is getting married. It was announced that she, well, it was leaked, announced that she will wed event planner Richard Attias. And she's going to be wearing a Versace gown. So <laughs> Where do how... these people find these people? So I know. Quickly? You can't even get a date. And they're in and out of two marriages know, in the same period of time. Is, is that amazing or what? Yeah. But I'd say, uh, Cecilia, excellent choice, marrying an event planner. <laughs> yeah, that's Because be then I'm wedding. figuring he's going to do most of the work on the wedding, which it's is a little unusual. Very, very smooth. And good for further family gatherings, it seems to me, if you have an yes. event planner in your family. I wish we had one. Also, have to bring you some breaking news, hamster news. Now, we talked about this last week. I told you the price of hamsters. We talked about hamsters last week? Yes. I I don't recall. Yes. Don't you? Liz, let's just review. The price of hamsters in China has tripled. Oh, that's right, because it's the year of the rat. This is the year of the rat. Well, the hamster situation continues. Now, pet hamsters are being banned in Vietnam. Okay, because, again... It is the year of the rat. It is the go-to pet. Everybody wants to have a hamster. But here's the problem with hamsters. They, cu- they carry rabies. Uh-huh. So the Vietnamese government has banned the sale and possession of hamsters. But now you have a situation where there is a large illegal hamster trade coming across the Chinese and Thai borders. Black market hamsters. The way you describe that coming across the borders, I imagine just these long lines of hamsters like, okay, go now, quick. Liz, these hamsters are unlicensed and they are... Unlicensed hamsters? (laughs) We can't have that. Well, this is going to be a long year, the year of the rat. I'm telling you that that they've seen an alarming um, rate of rabies because of these hamsters. I mean, they're not like... In Vietnam, the traditional pet is a fish. They don't know anything about hamsters. <laughs> nothing to say to that. You have nothing to say to that? Sheila, did, did you, in your classroom, did you ever keep gerbils or no, hamsters? No, I didn't like pets. That? No, it was too germy. No, no. Yeah, because the kids always want to touch the pet. Yeah. That's the whole point of a pet. And I can't have my kids touching pets in the room and then touching me. No. no. Uh, unlicensed hamsters? No. Okay. So How she- does a hamster get licensed anyway? I, I don't even. You, you need, so, Sheila, you, need, you, you certainly agree with the government of Vietnam that they just have to shut down this whole subculture. I know, do agree with that. Hamster forums, hamster, you know, hamster clubs. People are going hamster crazy. Right. And I Be- think if you, if you get a black market hamster, you should be put in jail for five months. Okay. <laughs> okay, Sheila. I will keep you posted. And that, my sisters, is another edition of the International News Roundup. Oh, Julie, thank you so much. That is always entertaining and illuminating. I had no idea about most of those stories. All right, coming up next, it's entertaining Sheila. Sheila, what are you reviewing for us this week? Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day. I am looking forward to seeing this movie, maybe no matter what you say. I don't know. I'll have to decide after I hear entertaining Sheila's review. We're the Satellite Sisters. Stay with us. Hi. 
everybody. This is the Blogmeister, Sheila, and it's time for a Sister Spot update. First of all, sisters... You need some theme music for that. <laughs> do, 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 do. First, big apology to Jim from the Apple Store. I, I, I was so excited. I blogged about him, put up a nice picture. But by mistake, I called him Bill. Now, I am sorry, Jim... I know you. And how was this uncovered? Liz, you did the recon work. You just happened to be at the Apple Store. Well, I was also having my lesson with my man, Peter. And I said, well, you know, Peter, my sister Sheila is here working with Bill. And he's like, Bill? (laughs) So, so, So I went to Sister Spot and I opened Sheila's entry on the blog where it wasn't just text about how much you love Bill, but it was a picture of you and Bill. And he was like, oh, you mean Jim? I am sorry, like I said, but I'm so glad, Liz, you found out his right name. So that's cleared up. The other thing I want to announce, just a little challenge this week. Mm -hmm. I would like anyone who has been to Sister Spot and not left a comment to practice commenting this week. Great idea, Sheila. You know what you need to do? Because it is so much fun to be a part of it that way. Right. And you don't even have to have a blogger ID. You can leave an anonymous comment. You just go to the comment, highlight well, why it. not make up a name? Yeah, do it. It's better than anonymous. Do it. Yeah. Make up a little catchy name. You know, you can create a profile for yourself on Blogger. It's so simple and fun. And you know what? Then you're a little more into it and we can respond to you. Mm-hmm. Too. We want to meet you, whoever you are reading Sister Spot and not commenting. So come on in this week. Leave a comment. See how it feels. Ooh, a Sister Spot challenge <laughs> from the Blogmeister <laughs> Sheila. And again, thanks, Jim, for all your help. <laughs> Stay with us. More of the show coming up. Double feature, I'm a rock and roller, she's a science teacher. I send her looks, they don't reach her, she does not know I'm in love with her. La la la, I'm in love with the four-eyed girl. We are the Satellite Sisters, and this is Entertaining Sheila. And this week the movie is Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day. Now, uh, it's out now in theaters. The cast is really special. It's filled with super talented people. I just don't know if all of these people should have been in the same movie. Oh, really? Oh. So I'm going to do a complete breakdown of all the players. But basically, I'll tell you quickly up top, we have Frances McDormand, of course, one of America's great actresses, Mm -hmm. married to one of of the Coen brothers. We don't know which one. We don't don't care. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But she was the star of Fargo. Of course, if you've... Everybody's seen Fargo by yeah, now, yeah. Um, and she did create a marvelous character there. Uh, then there is Amy. I must be in every romp in 08 Adams. <laughs> so she's in the movie. Uh, Come the, on, she's taking her moment. If you're an you actress, you got to go for talented, it. Sheila. All right, okay. Then we have Sierra Hines, or Sarin Hines <laughs> from Ireland, who's just a... A wonderful actor. I'll See t- the guy with the blue eyes, like with the super, super blue eyes? Yes. Dark hair, blue eyes? Yes, very big. Oh, very right. tall. Okay. Are we talking about the same guy? I don't know. Uh, maybe we're not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just said yes. Uh, you no, don't know. He's six feet. He was in Margot at the Wedding, and he was also, uh, he played Ju- Julius Caesar in Rome. Oh, that series. all right. Okay. All right. I know who you're talking about now. And he played Plainview's assistant in There Will Be Blood. Haven't seen it yet. Oh, Liz, where? I what's... don't know. It just seems like such a. I don't know. Don't go see that, Liz. Oh, it's God's... horrible. All right. Uh, okay. And abs- the absolutely fabulous 
Shirley Henderson from Scotland. Now, I have been following her for years. She was one of the best friends in um, in uh, Bridget Jones. <laughs> really? She, she has a soft, she's dark hair, small, petite. She's got a soft, raspy voice. She was also in Train Spotting. She was also in Harry Potter. And I, what's I, her name? Shirley Henderson? She's fa- she's fabulous. Okay. She's fabulous. Mark my words. Okay. Then it's, so we have, what we have also is we have an Indian director we have English scriptwriters. It's based on an English novel set in 1930 in London. So basically everybody is from across the pond. Yeah. Except for McDormand and Adams. All right. And they're fine actresses. But it just, it left me jonesing for my girl Kate Winslet, you know, oh. or, mm. or my Emily Watson, you know, ah. that kind of team. I, I just, you wanted it to be more British? You wanted it all British. I actually did. I, I just thought Gwyneth could have done something in the movie. I mean, she's British now. Isn't Maybe she? Madonna. Yeah, Madonna <laughs> could have jumped in there, for that matter. I'm just saying, you know, and uh, as a difficult friend of mine used to say when she was defending herself, I'm just saying. Well, I'm just saying. They mm-hmm. should have all been English. Okay. All right. All right. Now, I want to tell you a little tale of getting to the theater because... Um, I was a little out of it when I went to the theater this week. I had what was the really, problem? I, I had been focusing on things for weeks, staying on top of things. Focusing for <laughs> weeks, staying on, staying on top of things for weeks. No wonder you were out of it. I know, and I was a little dazed and confused as I was wandering the promenade in Santa Monica. Sort of a flashback to my beginnings of entertaining Sheila. You know. You remember the When you would frequently miss the show? (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. where I couldn't find the theater. I mean, let's not even review what happened the night I was supposed to see Gothica. Who wants to remember that? (laughs) In any case, I was wandering around, and I wandered right into a photo shoot on the promenade. Mm -hmm. And and all of a sudden, I'm looking around at these people sitting at cafes, and they all have hair and makeup, and I'm wondering, what's going on, you know? Why wasn't I invited? (laughs) But why don't I have hair and makeup? And all of a sudden, some older actor says right to me in the middle of the photo shoot, I like your scarf. The scarf I'm wearing today. Is it the one I I gave you, Sheila? No, Julie, it's not. It's the one I bought at the Gap. It's the gray and black striped one. That I wear every day. It's the Dr. Seuss (laughs) scarf, I think of it as. And then I, I turned around like I was in a movie. I was like, you talking to me? And then he looked at me right again in the middle of the photo shoot. He goes, no, I really like your scarf. And then the people, the actors at his table, started getting annoyed with him. So then they're just <laughs> improving, riffing off the scarf thing. I was like, okay, you like my Did scarf. Did they think you were in a cat? Oh, whatever. It just was one of those bizarre moments, Liz, and as, as it happens in my life. Yes. All right, so let's get to the movie. All right, Miss Pettigrew, Frances McDormand, she's an out-of-work governess. She's penniless. She's homeless. She's desperate. And in her last visit to the employment agency, she, you know, they fire her. But just before she leaves, she steals a little card with the name of sort of she's a wannabe actress. Amy Adams plays this chanteuse sort of wannabe actress called uh, by the name of Delicia LaFosse. So, Excellent name. Right. And, you know, you can see her wearing, you know, her lingerie and her bubbly effervescence and her cutesy pootsy. And she's basically balancing three boyfriends. She's got three boyfriends. She, she's sort of a Carol Lombardian type character, right? Uh-huh. And um, there's the producer, there's the pianist, and there's the nightclub owner. Now, I want to mention the pianist a little bit because this is played by Oklahoma native Lee Pace. Now, I've never seen Lee Pace before. He's 6'3". 
Mm-hmm. Think of like Clive Owen's little brother. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. He's dark. He's tortured in this movie. He was in a movie called Soldier's Girl. I never saw it. Uh, he got nominated for an Independent Spirit Award for that. He was in The Good Shepherd, and he was also infamous. In Infamous. Lee Pace was incredible. All right. So in the meantime, Delicia takes on Miss Pettigrew as a social secretary. And then she takes her for a makeover. So they're BFFs. You know, they're traveling Mm -hmm. all over London. And, you know, basically the plot is pretty transparent. Like McDormand is going to educate her in what true love is, even though she's alone and has only been in love once. And Delicia is going to show her what high society has to offer, even though her name is not Delicia LaFosse. She's really a steelworker's daughter from Pittsburgh. Uh Uh-huh. So here's the thing. McDormand is a very physical actress. And in this particular role, she does all of her acting with her eyes. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, her hands are at her side the whole time. And she's very buttoned up. And she's very reserved. Sort of subservient and right. Right. And, and, so you, know, you think she's just too contained? Yes. I mean, I'm just saying. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, she could have she done a little more. Fi- now, uh, what's her face? Um, <laughs> Amy Adams? Adams? Is, compl- is physical to the point where it's just distracting. You know, she's just too bubbly, too effervescent. Except for in a couple scenes where she sings. Now, we found out at the Oscars, as Liam pointed out, she's an amazing singer. Mm-hmm. And she has one... Right, because she sang one of the nominated songs. Right. From Enchanted. She has one knockout song in this with the pianist, who's one of her love interests, that is absolutely stunning. And also what's visual... What also is stunning in this movie are the visuals. The sets were stupendous. It's like gorgeous society apartments with enormous windows and circular staircases. See, I love stuff like that. I love movies. And chases. Liz, you will love it. And then there's swing music and there's lots and lots of circular camera shots. Now, this was an older crowd. You know, I was the youngest one in the theater by about 20 years. Oh, really? So, uh, well, it was like two in the afternoon. Yeah, it's a two o'clock show um, uh, at the promenade. And, and, you know, my compatriots in the theater, um, one woman yelled out, and this was a riot. I mean, this was another bizarre moment, but I tend to find those uh, people in my life. She just yelled out at some point during a dizzy shot, Stop! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But there is an absolutely touching relationship that develops between McDormand and Hines. And Hines is really supposed to be engaged to Shirley Henderson in the movie. And I absolutely loved him. I absolutely loved him in this this movie. Now, who will like this film? I think interior decorators are going to love it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Lingerie designers. Most of the women wear lingerie for the entire movie. Uh, Musicians will love it. Of course, if you are an Amy Adams fan, which I'm, I'm feeling that the sisters are, mm-hmm. you're going to love this movie. If you're a Frances McDormand fan, I think you're going to be a little disappointed, is all I'm saying. Okay? Right. <laughs> she didn't use enough hand gestures. Uh, yes, she didn't use enough. Now, on a scale of one to five sisters, I'm going to give this two solid sisters. Two out of five. Right. And then one sister includes the sets, the music, the lighting, you know, the ambiance, right? Sometimes we go to a restaurant just for the ambiance. Sometimes we do. That's correct. And I'm going to give another big sister to, I'm just saying, Shirley Henderson, okay? She is a, 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 just a riveting actress in every way. If you've never seen her work, this she practically steals the movie. 
That's all I'm saying. Two big sisters. <laughs> okay, you have to stop saying that. <laughs> two. Two. Uh, Miss Pettigrew lives for a day. This has been entertaining. Sheila, go forth and entertain. Now, I have some other entertainment news, though, on television. Oh. oh. I don't know if any of you caught the Savorsky Crystal Fashion Show. No. This was unbelievable. Now, you know, a couple years ago, we started hearing about Savorsky crystals. Yeah. They're very know. big in Russia, Sheila. Right. Now, these are the... the Do you the, even know what they are? The leads, the world's leading cut crystal manufacturer, Julie? Yes, Sheila. And now... They're all very this, sparkly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you started seeing them on purses, on, on, on people. Shoes. And shoes, bags, Savorsky. Yeah. So, basically, the show was inspired by... Naomi Campbell seems to be one of the inspirations for this show. Uh-oh. Which I don't think Naomi Campbell <laughs> should be a spokesperson for anything. All uh-huh. right? I, I, I mean, you know, I know she's really tried in her life, but she's run into a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're thinking she's just a little on the unreliable side? Right. Now, the, now this was a charity event in London at, uh, at the uh, Albert, Tull- Albert Hall, Royal Albert Hall, Julie. That's magnificent, Sheila. Right, and the Prince's Trust is a great charity, I believe. For, it's for prison, ex-prison inmates. They give them money to set up their own businesses. But again, Naomi Campbell is an ex-inmate. <laughs> She's a all right, right? For beating up her assistant. Mm-hmm. She was in jail. So oh, yeah, in New York, right. There's mm. a disconnect there, okay? Now, what also the disconnect... That's why she can feel their pain, <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> the disconnection of this is... It was a fashion show, high end, and a rock concert. So we had. You How know, did that work, Sheila? So we had like Alicia Keys for Armani. So Alicia Keys would be, you know, who's fabulous, would be like rocking out on the stage. But all these, then as she's rocking out, all of these Armani models would walk right in front of her and do a catwalk. It well. was just, it was kind of bizarre. We had like Timbaland for Dolce and Gabbana. Uh huh. Right, so Timbaland. <laughs> Sounds like a good concept, See, actually. It seems like it's fashion and music. It should go together well, Sheila. We had Iggy Pop for Versace. So we basically had Iggy Pop with no shirt on and all these Versace models walking by. That was gross. Iggy, <laughs> Iggy Pop is never, I never really want to look at Iggy Pop. So I came in just as Iggy Pop was screaming on the stage. And the funniest shot was Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, in the front row, holding her ears so she would here, Iggy Pop. It was so London. It was so so so, so fabulous. So it so, seemed very international, Sheila. It was very international. Where did you find this piece of entertainment? It was on Bravo one night. It was broadcast. On you just leave your television on Bravo in case there's any Top Chef episode. Seven. Sheila, does it make you want to buy Savorsky Quizzes? No, crystals? it doesn't. It doesn't want to make me buy anything. It just leaves me absolutely perplexed. By what goes on in London, Julie. We want, I just, you've been there. Is this what people do in London? It's very international, (laughs) Sheila. They like to recombine um, elements that we don't do in the U.S. And just like people in long gowns and tuxes just doing the most bizarre dances to these to this fashion show, rock show. It was confusing. Is all, That's all I'm saying. Yes. You seem like you're a purist, Sheila. You like a fashion show? I want show? one or the other. Okay. Okay? One or the other. So the uh, do you think this is still running? Could we still catch this? It you sounds might like be able to. Bravo runs everything about 100 times. Now and by the I'm way, really we had, curious to see this. And by the way, we had Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Uma Thurman as hosts. Uh-huh. So, mm. again. <laughs> okay. You're just saying. 
<laughs> I, I was confused, people. That's All right. Sikorsky crystals. Well, that is a lot of entertainment from entertaining Sheila. Thank you so much. You're you know, actually, if there are things you see on television that you think entertaining Sheila should know about, please just go to SatelliteSisters.com and send us an email or put it on the blog. All right. Hey, let's talk about next week. Today's Friday coming up on Monday. Monday is St. Patrick's Day, sisters. Julie, you got any kind of plan for the day? Cabbage is in the forecast, Liz. That's all I can say. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll have another show for you on Monday. We're looking forward to talking to you then. Leanne is going to Alcatraz. So I oh. think we're getting a. Is she okay? I think we're she's <laughs> a rock concert <laughs> for a rock concert fashion show with crystals. No, so on Monday show we're going to hear about her trip to Alcatraz uh, and many more things. Always online and on the blog, so check it out. And don't forget, most of all, tell your satellite sisters about satellite sisters to go. That you can listen to us anywhere if you just download the show. Right. Have a good weekend, sisters. Thank you, you Liz. Liz. Don't forget, call your own satellite sister. <laughs>